Greetings, rabble-rousers. My name is Jessa McLean. Welcome to Blueprints for Disruption, a weekly discussion dedicated to amplifying activism across Turtle Island. Together, we will examine tactics, explore motivations, and celebrate successes in disrupting the status quo. This podcast is a proud part of New Left Media. All right, folks, so this is going to be a little bit of a different episode for us. I've got Santiago, our producer, on today, and there's just a topic we had to we had to tackle. We're going to talk about abolishing the monarchy. Obviously, this is top of mind with the recent death of the queen, but to be honest, we've been talking about this for quite some time. And with the Land Back episode just a week behind us, we thought it was imperative to really dive deep into this topic um, we're not opposing views, so to speak, so uh, we're not here to argue with one another, but uh, let's just see how this discussion plays out, shall we, Santiago? Absolutely, and uh, first I just want to say it's great to be on, and I've had just an amazing time producing all of these amazing episodes that you've been making. It has been incredible, the variety of amazing guests that you've had on and everything that this show has been I'm just incredibly proud from behind the scenes and I'm very happy to be here oh well if you're gonna go do that then I've got to take a moment to explain like how uh, easy Santiago makes this job um, because I'm able to tell all the guests the wonderful guests I've been lucky to have when they come on there you know don't worry if you mess up I've got a great producer who can make you sound you know like it was seamless all our awkward pauses are gone you know that's an insider secret there but <laughs> you know I I can't um, thank you enough for all the the work and <laughs> the little notes that you send me uh, I really do wait for them like did he like it did he like it because uh, <laughs> I'm pretty new at this so not only have you shown me the ropes but uh, you've given me quite a bit of encouragement Santiago so I'm excited to finally have you on here um to get your voice on the other end so thank you Jessa. so obviously both of us take the same position right like uh oh, yeah. and I'm not sure how much convincing we have to do with our audience but perhaps we can arm them at least with some arguments on why should we be abolishing the monarchy specifically here in Canada I mean, what comes top to mind to you, uh, Santiago? <laughs> Why? I mean, I guess the easiest answer is, at least from what it appears to be, that the majority of Canadians are in favor of it. And if we live in a democracy, that's how it should work. That if the majority of people support this position, we should abolish. And the fact that it is just a completely ridiculous, outdated system I mean, we'll we'll get into the specifics, but there's a multitude of reasons. A lot of people dismiss it, you know, because they think perhaps it doesn't play as big a role as, you know, uh, we're making. You know, why make a big deal about it? It's purely symbolic. You know, technically, the crown or the governor general, their representative here in Canada, does have the ability to um, block a bill or... Not, you know, their role is to dissolve parliament when requested and, and to form new government. And, and and to be honest, that is has been mostly symbolic to date. Right. Like, I think it's been used once back in 1920 something. Um, and, you know, people will still harken back to that as evidence that, you know, it's undemocratic. But I get also really icked out for some reason, and I'm not sure I can really 
get more articulate than that at the idea of folks swearing allegiance to the queen. Uh, so new citizens have to do that and uh, members of parliament and such. And so like, what, are they going to switch it over to swearing allegiance to the king? Do we have to call them all into a room and make sure that all the MPs fall in line and and swear allegiance? So I read an article, they actually halted the ceremonies for new citizens, right? Like it was like, she's dead, stop, this doesn't mean anything. And they switched the scripts, right? Everyone had to learn the new script. And then even at the end, they said that really morbid, um, the queen is dead, long live the king. And I thought like, it just had this real ick factor, this real medieval, also like fantastical, like are people still buying into this um, God appointed them to rule over us nonsense? Like what makes them so special to folks? Yeah, I gotta say, as an immigrant, it's quite lucky that I was too young, I think, to have had to swear allegiance. Because if I was asked to do that today, <laughs> I don't know that I would be able to make it through that. I, I really don't. I know it's a ridiculous thing and, and maybe a bit of even a privileged position. But I don't I don't think I would have been able to be like, oh, I, I swear allegiance to the queen. Like, not even symbolically. It's such a ridiculous thing to ask of people. Especially... Considering the fact that, if I'm not mistaken, there's only 22 countries in the world that were not invaded by the United Kingdom at some point or another. Uh, almost everybody who is coming into Canada as an immigrant, their home country was almost certainly invaded by England at some point. So then to ask them carries just a whole other weight in that sense. Um, yeah, it's... I mean... If I was going to put a word to that ick factor that you're alluding to, I would say just the it just feels so much like white supremacist, you know, the idea that like this supposedly like perfect model white family is anointed by God to be our rulers over, especially a country like Canada that supposedly celebrates our diversity, you know, it just it does feel quite absurd for a variety of reasons. I have no doubt you would have made a scene at your citizenship uh, ceremony <laughs> because, I mean, what, you couldn't even sit. <laughs> I couldn't even, but I'm, I'm poking fun at you a bit. What happened at school, Santiago? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not going to lie. This is a decision I made um, when I first heard the Minister of Education, Stefan Leachy, say that Students had to go to school on that Monday, uh, the Monday of the funeral, so that we could learn about all of the amazing contributions that the Queen has done for Can for Canada and Canadians. When I heard that, I was like, okay, there's, there's no way I'm just going to go and sit quietly and <laughs> act like this is not something that bothers me very deeply. And then my my school, Humber, uh, decided, like many others, to do a 96 seconds of silence for the Queen. And What, for like, every okay. year? <laughs> One second for every year she was alive? <laughs> yep, yep. Right, okay. What an absurd thing, and... Yeah, I, I was I was not going to do that. There was There was just no way... So, of course, you know, they announce it and I immediately start blasting Bella Chao on my phone and yelling, <laughs> fuck the monarchy. 
<laughs> and the teacher's like, shh, be respectful. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't respect people who are responsible for genocide. And she was like, okay, then you can leave. And I'm like, this sounds good to me. And I left. And then I went to the hallway and kept playing Bella Chao. And, and then I walked back in and acted like nothing happened. So it was quite <laughs> the absurd situation to be in. <laughs> I purposely wanted you to hold on to that story so I could hear it for the first time in this discussion because you did tell me you got kicked out of class for not being quiet, but I had no idea how well thought out your your demonstration was. Um, I had to. Kudos. I, I am very disappointed that you did not record such things. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, That's my a moment phone was lost. too busy. My phone was too busy playing old Italian partisan songs you know uh which i mean right now we i feel like right now we need bella ciao quite a lot given... should we pause here for the producer to insert <laughs> appropriate music <laughs> play play five second clip of bella ciao no but like of course uh as we're recording this episode we have learned of the election in italy which is a whole other concerning thing which honestly if i was going to tie this back into our discussion i would say given the direction we're going i don't particularly feel like holding on to old european traditions to put it mildly um but uh, anyways part of my whole demonstration too was tied into the fact that my classmates were overwhelmingly anti-monarchy overwhelmingly uh, in fact i was in class uh I'm a, I'm a journalism student and so of course we were following the news very closely in class uh on the day of uh the queen's death and when we heard the news my entire class broke out into cheers and high fives it was like <laughs> there, there's no love lost there Prof, let me put read it the there. room <laughs> yeah so Given the fact that all of my fellow students seem to be on the same side, what we're going to just sit and pretend like we all don't have our beliefs there? Come on. Especially, my program is overwhelmingly people of color. Overwhelmingly people who have a very strong reason to dislike the monarchy. And yeah, no, we, we weren't going to put up with that. There was no way. No. And you're bang on with the, you know, that imagery and that the white supremacy ideas that it seems to uphold. But like there's so many other ideologies tied up into that that are so problematic for me. Even the idea of kings and queens like prince and princesses. When I go through the kids books, you know, <laughs> that I'm going to read to my my kid, I I like to avoid those. I mean, it's one thing as long as you, if you acknowledge they are fantastical, like fairies and goblins and unicorns. And I'm sorry if I'm crushing other people's dreams that <laughs> these things are real, but they are not. There's no such thing as hereditary power or or there's no need for us to prop up these rich landowners from incredibly oppressive regimes and idolize them like on our money and the way that we do it, you know, and the national holiday day of mourning for a 96 year old woman who hoarded her wealth like like really no other. It's it's incredible that people then it would turn tone police other folks who, you know, had a field day. I mean, black and Irish Twitter were on fire, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> 
for a reason. But, you know, there's always folks like, this is not the time and the place to talk about abolishing the monarchy. Um, I think it's the perfect time. <laughs> no, absolutely. And for the record, Irish Twitter is the reason I still haven't deleted Twitter. Because... I think that was the best day on Twitter I have I have seen in a very long time. The memes were absolutely impeccable, man. <laughs> like, oh my god. Anyways, anyways. Um, no, but I mean, okay. People will argue, right? Talking about like oh, the fantastical nature of all of this, you know, that at the end of the day, the monarchy is just symbolic, right? That it they don't hold any real power. It's just symbolism. Well, you know, what is it symbolic of, right? Like we're mentioning white supremacy. It's symbolic of like divine rule. It's symbolic of colonialism. If it is symbolic, it's pretty bad symbolism. And it's symbolism that for a great deal, many Canadians is personal, like who have been personally victimized by the United Kingdom, by the monarchy, by colonialism, it's, it's not exactly the symbolism that they want. And for frankly, the majority of ca Canadians, they don't particularly see the point of the monarchy either. So I was reading an article that was trying to give, you know, I my Twitter can be a bit of an echo chamber, I'll admit. Right. It's pretty cultivated with leftists. And I wanted to dig up some of these arguments from folks wanting to keep the monarchy and a lot of them listed reasons that it was part of our Canadian identity. <laughs> you know, it was what distinguished us from the, the United States. And so that was a reason to keep it. And I'm thinking like, well, that's really weird because from my perspective, that's a lot of reasons to ditch it, especially if that's all you can find that distinguishes us from the United States, right? Have you given up on universal Medicare <laughs> or, you know, the, all the other things that we had previously held up? Now it's just the fact that we have some gimmicky crown, you know, that we're attached to. And and it's let's go back to that. It's not just symbolic, right? I dug up something, I think it was from Marxist.ca. So let's let's give credit where credit's due, even though it's it's public knowledge. $67 million. I was balking at this. This is for your conservative friends out there if you're trying to convince them on why we should abolish the monarchy. $67 million a year on this so-called uh, symbolic governor general role, right? Like not to mention some folks that have held this role have been extremely problematic in nature. But that that's the queen's representative. So I'm sorry, the king's representative <laughs> over here. And that. $67 million a year? I'm sure the East Coast could use that right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, beyond... I, I mean, that money could be used for so many better things than what it's being used for. But then even talking about money, are we going to be reprinting our money? That's going to cost a lot of money in and of itself, right? For sure. But here's the thing. We don't have to, right? Like, legally, we have to do a lot of things... Uh, for the the crown there but that's that's just something we've chosen to do so we don't have to replace it or we can replace it but just but just please not with charles <laughs> like, i'm not gonna I, go why there why but please just know for cost yeah, saving measures thing. alone the queen had much better pr than charles like there is virtually nobody who is a fan of Charles. And I, I just want to mention real quick, too, because 
there was one video in particular that bothered me that during the funeral, um, he was going around shaking people's hands, right? And there was a black man in the crowd and he purposely skipped over him and then security pushed him aside. Uh, so in, in case there's anybody out there who needs reminder that the royal family is extremely racist and Charles is one of those. Just going to mention that. Also, um, you mentioned earlier, you know, that like the whole better than Americanism issue. <laughs> better than Americanism has taken so much away from us. We really have to move on from defining ourselves as simply better than the United States. And quite frankly, at the end of the day, there's nothing about the monarchy that makes us better than the United States. It's an absurd notion. And it's, I mean, I'll tell you right now that that whole sentiment is dying out pretty quickly because young people overwhelmingly are not on that side. They don't care about this old symbolism. It's, it's just... Anyways, anyways. It, you know, a lot of people in the, the UK talk about abolishing um, the monarchy as well. And one of the major arguments is like something about tours and blah, blah, blah. You know, like everyone comes to see us because we have a monarchy. Like, yo, their buildings and crowns will still be there even more so when you confiscate them and can display them all. You know, like think of the possibilities there. Airbnb for Buckingham Palace. I don't know, but like <laughs> that can't be an excuse for not doing something because... Okay, we we make cost-saving measure arguments, but we know that's just to convince other folks. What it represents is, to me, pure evil. Of course that that family is racist as fuck. Look at colonialism and what it's done, right? Like, and how many countries have done so much to free themselves? I I, I saw a stat and I didn't fact check it, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. It's like something like every six days, there's a country around the world that celebrates its independence from Britain. But we're so stuck on this, it's impossible mentality. So let's break that down a bit, right? Because, you know, you and I both, you know, took that fresh look at what is involved. It's not... Um, in abolishing the monarchy formally, you know, not symbolically, but like getting them right off the books. Yeah, it this was something that was a surprise to me. I did not realize just how difficult we had made it for ourselves to get rid of the monarchy because it's not enough that a majority of Canadians want it. No, it has to, it has to pass through the house. It has to pass through the, the, the Senate. It has to, we need 10 provinces to sign off on this. It's, it's been described as virtually impossible and we're responsible for that. Well, we, um, a whole bunch of monarchists have essentially enshrined it even, even more so than other things within our constitution. It's um, it points to serious flaws in our democracy to begin with, but it also harkens back to completely disastrous political assignments there in trying to reopen the Constitution and, you know, what that meant for because we have to for political leaders because we have to remember, you know, political will is really how most things get done. Right. So. That's a really risky move for any PM, especially current PM, to <laughs> try to reopen that. Um, yeah, especially when the provinces are so controlled by the Conservative Party in various forms. It's not exactly an easy moment to try and open up this 
conversation. And honestly, I'm of the opinion that ideologically conservatives should be against the monarchy based off of what it is to be conservative. I don't right. quite understand why they're in favor of the monarchy other than, I guess, supporting power and those and in white power. <laughs> and white like, supremacy. Let's be honest. We, we kind of know why they are, but we don't know how they can publicly <laughs> support them without also revealing a lot of their inner motivations. Right. Like, let's. Yeah, let's be honest. Um, an anti-elitism platform just screams abolish the monarchy, but there's no way that'll be on on their radar. Uh, I like to think that things aren't impossible. You know, if with enough groundswell, we've seen what politicians can get done if properly motivated to think that their job is is at stake. And you know, quite often it's like a you need a crisis or a political trigger. And I think like the death of the queen mixed with the incredible position Canada is in now being faced with its past in, in, in a way that it's never been reckoned with before. Right. I think like the discussions around land back and the residential schools and the missing and murdered indigenous women and all the other inequities that um, are associated with the continued colonialism has kind of, well, I hope it hasn't peaked because we've not seen a lot of movement, but it's really create has a lot of groundswell at the moment so i think like now would be the time to really push for this and try to capitalize on this transfer of power that is so illegitimate by the way right but you know because yeah. when are you going to get another chance like this you know we're, what are we going to do replace all the portraits and then five years from now try to revisit this with a more positive makeup in the parliament or of the provincial legislatures like that's not going to happen if it doesn't happen now they might be right. It, it might actually become impossible. Yeah. I mean, it would take, it'll take a lot more than 50% of Canadians being in favor of this. It would take like a super majority of Canadians being absolutely enraged out in the streets, demanding change, forcing the hands all across the country in every province. It's something that I feel like it's it's not important enough to enough people for us to see that right now it's unfortunate it's just something that I, I think it lacks that political will given how complicated they've made it which is such a r ridiculous concept especially like once again we have to talk more about colonialism when it comes to this I and mean, we're, we're on stolen land what a ridiculous notion that like we have to go through all of these policies that were written by colonialists to <laughs> by m colonial supporting monarchists to to get rid of a white supremacist family like it's it's absurd and that also brings up the issue of course is that even if this even if we were successful in this well what would that even look like right because it, it comes it brings up issues such as for example the fact that um all of the treaties uh with the indigenous peoples that were made well those were made with the crown and what would happen to those treaties if we abolished the monarchy? Just as an example of one of the issues that it brings up, right? It's a very nuanced issue that would take a great deal of work to be able to accomplish. Oh, yeah. And like whatever happens, it, it it's nothing without, you know, and I hate using this term, meaningful consultation 
with Indigenous people. And I don't mean like Harper or Trudeau's version of meaningful consultation, because, you know, you're right. Those those treaties are with the crown. Um, but in reality, we expect Canada to deal with them. I read an interesting argument, though, in, in rabble.ca uh, where, you know, they made the argument that if you truly appreciate and recognize Indigenous sovereignty, so meaning you see Indigenous nations as nations in, in themselves, not as a domestic part of Canada, then in fact, these treaties are under international law. So, you know, the abolishment of the monarchy here in Canada shouldn't affect the legal ramifications of those treaties. But, you know, some of those arguments just mean nothing when you know that regardless of what our constitution or the obligations are, Canada regularly defies what's expected of them in terms of treaties. So it's hard to kind of even make that argument that it would make it more complicated as well. But, you know, I guess that's really not an answer for for me as a settler to make. But yeah, I mean, bringing it back to last week's episode, all we have to do is ask our good friends from Landback Lane um, if their treaties are being respected right now. You know, these treaties, yeah, they they should be under international law. They should be respected. We don't seem to have a lot of issues violating them on a very regular basis uh, if it is convenient towards capital in even the slightest way, so... Well, that, that goes back to the queen. It's like and always representing that certain class interest. It, it surprises me that what that Ipsos read poll was, I think, 58. We keep saying a majority. You know, it is that is a bit of a stretch of uh, it. It is a technical majority, but that isn't a whole lot of people. And that that actually surprises me at this 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 stage, you know, Um after all that we've kind of witnessed as a country in recent years, especially, and that we would still kind of want to hold on to something so antiquated, but like even 58% as a majority isn't much for um, politicians either. Like you talked about getting in the street. I find it funny that our news hasn't really touched on in Australia, their day of mourning. So you walked out of, or you were kicked out of your class. And, and, you know, we saw some small demonstrations here in Canada, but Australia had thousands of people on the streets in multiple cities um, on the actual day of mourning, which I thought was pretty badass, right? As opposed to, to taking that position, um, that it would be like a day of respect and then the next day we can start talking about abolishing the monarchy no they wanted like like our education minister in ontario they did take the day to reflect so i want to read a statement by the folks that um organized a lot of those demonstrations in australia uh the groups is warriors of the aboriginal resistance and so their statements that they they stand against racist colonial imperialism and its ongoing effects on us as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders people. While they mourn the Queen, we mourn everything her regime stole from us. Our children, our land, our loved ones' lives, our sacred sites, our histories. I mean, that that quite parallels what we heard and what we hear from Indigenous peoples here in Canada. And, you know, 
I wish we had taken to the streets in those numbers. I, I wish we would kind of take this up. I have no answer as to why Australia seems so particularly passionate about this topic at the time, but, you know, it's, that's the kind of pressure that would take to do something this polit- of this political magnitude. But let's say we don't take to the streets. Let's say nobody makes a real fuss about this and takes advantage of this to, you know, formally remove them. We can't lose this opportunity. No, I mean, if we cannot, if it's impossible right now, if we can't actually abolish the monarchy, well, then let's do everything that we possibly can to at least get rid of what the monarchy symbolizes. And I mean, given the fact it's quite fitting that um, when we're recording this, the, the Friday that's coming up is uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, right? Well, let's get some reconciliation going, you know? Um, there's all kinds of ways that we can start making changes, start decolonizing, and that's what we need if it's if it's truly impossible to abolish the monarchy, right? Yeah, like there's a lot of things we don't have to be doing that we choose to do. And that's all part of that nation building that we do, right? And people, that sounds like a good thing to a lot of people, I know. But um, from an anti-nationalist point of view, like it's not. Nation building is so purposeful. It creates an image of who is Canadian, who is not, what our values are and what they're not. And that is that. That is false, right? Everyone's values differ. Even even within a household, people's values differ. And there is no Canadian image. But this monarchy, that it reinforces all of this garbage, right? And it doesn't have to be that way. So we don't have to be asking people to swear allegiance to the crown. We don't need to be doing that. That is demeaning. We don't have to have them on our money. Um, you know, there's, there's so many other things where we just don't have to show that deference, you know, a kind of turning your back on power, you know, if you've made it impossible for us to, to remove you from our democracy, which is, you know, (laughs) that's a huge red flag if, if we can't do that and England can do it, right. Or they would have an easier time. (laughs) Yeah, that's. (laughs) That's the part that I found most outlandish because I was reading um, one of the Toronto Star articles about, you know, what would it really take to abolish the monarchy? And they were essentially saying it is entirely possible that England could abolish the monarchy and we still wouldn't be able to abolish the monarchy and that we would have to, like, symbolically keep it going. It's just that right there, that that was the final nail in the coffin of the joke that is Canadian democracy right now. Like, how can we pretend that we have any sort of democracy in these kinds of situations? I mean, England could get rid of the monarchy and we still have the monarchy? What is that? What is that? What is the explanation for that? How did we make it so difficult? It's, I'm sorry, it's just, that one really bothers me. I mean, I hope that we see, I mean... Of course, we're not the only Commonwealth nation that's still under these kinds of rules. I hope to see, okay, if, if it's going to be difficult for us, let's see what the process is going in Australia and other countries. Maybe as it as more countries abolish the monarchy, maybe, you know, that'll help push Canadians and, and we'll get closer to that. I don't know. But 
come on. If England gets rid of it, that's it. There's no way that we can still hold on to that. There's no way. I just, like, I know, I know, yeah, it's hard to pass all this through the legislatures, and and I get that, but, I mean, it's so hard for people to fathom that, like, Ireland, Ireland did it in 1948. Don't tell me that wasn't, you know, difficult. (laughs) Don't tell me it wasn't difficult for South Africa to do it in 1961, Pakistan in 1956. I mean, there's a huge list, and I'm not going to bore people with all this, but it's like, it's been done so many times over Barbados just did it, and it was enshrined in their constitution. And they did it so quickly, too. Because I remember, like, somebody from the royal family visited Barbados or something. Awkward. And people were like, people got very angry about that. And then it felt like within the week they had gotten rid of them. I'm sure it was longer than that, but it felt so quickly. Just That'll be the last the time they send afar. the Duchess. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, shout out to Barbados. Yeah, to be fair, they didn't even hold a referendum, uh, but they hold all 30 seats, you know, the government in power. So, you know, snip, snap, snoop, it's done. And (laughs) Jamaica, big stirrings in Jamaica on this discussion, right? So perhaps they'll be next. Jamaica still under the monarchy? Yeah. I did not know that. I did not know that. That seems Well, you're going to have to edit this out if I'm wrong. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> Quickly Google something, but you know, I I'm also buoyed by like how mad Australia. You know, I, I go back that it's worth looking at a couple of their protests. Like on the day of, it just has that extra kind of oomph that they went and did that, similar to the Irish dancers right in front of Buckingham Palace. <laughs> like, was that pre-recorded or that would have been incredibly awkward? But back to like what we can do if we can't formally remove it is what about all that crown land? What are you going to just transfer it to Charles technically? Like I know it's kind of symbolic, but we can't do that. You can't take that land that's we know is stolen that still holds something as ridiculous as the name crown land because that's an entirely fabricated distinguishment you know what i mean like there are there is no royalty people and no we're going to just take that and transfer it all we're going to replace all the portraits everywhere it seems like a lot of stuff to do to swear allegiance and i think we have to ask ourselves like why did they entrench it so much more so than all the other things in our constitution why was it so important for all these old white powerful men to make sure that forevermore, you know, we looked up to that kind of class, that, that, that fabricated class there. I have my theory on that. But first, I just want to confirm that you are correct. Jamaica is still under the monarchy. I also found it interesting that the first monarch was uh, the now deceased queen, um, which means that they haven't exactly been under it for a long time. And I mean, Jamaica, I'm, I'm just saying there's an opportunity here. But no, um, I would say I would say that why 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 is it that we've held up the system? If I if I had to give my theory, I would say it's a fear of the people, you know, that a fear of democracy and that if we ever got a little too far, too close to taking away, you know, the real power 
of those who control everything that they can always have the monarchy to come and throw down some executive power and whip us back into shape. At least that's my theory on that. I'm sure there's a lot of other reasons. 100% that is definitely a fallback. And, you know, I kind of mocked people who do hearken back to the King Bing affair, but it was used when the PM went there and requested to dissolve parliament, you know, and that was a completely political move. So, you know, um, a lot of folks say, well, if you get rid of the queen or the crown, which is supposed to represent that last guard against a tyrannical government, <laughs> snicker, snicker, like the monarchy is going to save us. <laughs> but in theory and in political structure, that's what it's there for. Um, spoiler alert, that's actually what the Senate was supposed to be doing, who also operate in that same class interest, slightly lower than the monarchy, of course, um, more of the lords and ladies. Uh, but essentially, the Senate's there for that. So we don't need to replace. Of course, I do argue we abolish the Senate. So then I Damn then right. I put myself in a bit of a <laughs> conundrum. <laughs> but hey, if you're willing to keep the Senate, you you can just totally get rid of the governor general. You know, maybe it's time we bring Quebec back into the Constitution, Santiago. You know, that's why everyone's so afraid of reopening it. And I'm so tired of that being as an excuse for so many things. Like, how many times as a leftist have you thought of an idea like abolishing the Senate? You know, it might not be a unique idea to you, but, you know. And the response is, well, that's a big mess. You know? I mean, here's my response. It's all a big mess. You know? Right? Like... It goes so far beyond the fact that, you know, I mean, the Senate is really a, a point. It's not a democratic institution. We don't get to vote who our senators are. That's a problem in of itself. We don't get to vote the Queen. That's a problem. Okay. But the problems with Canadian democracy go much deeper than that because we base everything off of England and then haven't adopted it to be representative of, of a true democracy i mean how, how we've we've brought up the issue of first past suppose how many times um as a country over the last decades it, it gets revisited every election you know and you know keep saying we'll get to it eventually we'll eventually get rid of first past the post well here's your opportunity queen's dead bim bang boom let's get rid of first past the post if if anything you know let, let's start restructuring some of the ways that we are not a democracy because basing ourselves off of England seemed to have been a very clear mistake to me. What? Modeling after a colonial government that, you know, <laughs> operated the same way for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, yeah, no. And I think that plays in part as to why it's been entrenched that way. So it's, it's always something that we're deferring to. Right. It's always that model, that colonial model that and, you know, <laughs> we talk a lot about disrupting the status quo here on that on the show. So it seems a bit defeatist also for us to say, well, it's not constitutionally possible. So let's think of alternatives, which we still should do. But it's like, fuck that. Take to the streets and make them do it. Right. That is how it's done everywhere else. That's what democracy actually looks like. You know, the chant at the beginning of our show, that is what we're <laughs> fucking talking about. Right. So, no, Doug Ford would not sit at a table and sign a document that would give people more rights or that would upset his base. 
but these people don't fear us enough. That's why. That's why. Right. And, and I think as settlers, it doesn't really matter to us enough that we remove this, this symbol, you know, or that we return crown land or give that like it, it's it's not imperative enough to us so that we're not taking to the streets in the, in the, in the way that we need to, to make these changes. Right. Like we can't just keep expecting to go to the ballot box and structure only maybe when we have all the provinces lined up NDP or at least liberal um, premiers, and then it'll be a good time and wait till Quebec's not so itching to separate or, you know, like, it's just like, there's never going to be the perfect time unless you make it. So um, the problem is, I just don't think people are passionate enough about this particular topic. But it it's more of a matter of, you know, what we've seen in Chile, where it's like, let's reopen the whole thing. Let's revisit the whole damn thing. Because you're right, our, our system is broken. And I think the queen and the king or whoever we're bowing to now, is just a symbol of that. And that's what makes me want to get rid of them so bad, too, is because they're just like that symbol of that broken, oppressive system. I don't want to celebrate it anymore. Yeah. And I mean, not being able to revisit stuff like the Constitution and all of these old laws. And I mean, that really, for me, just represents a fear of democracy that the people in power have. They always worry that. You know, they'll talk about mob rule and all of these ridiculous ideas. Really, they're they're afraid of our power, of the power that the people have, which is why they've made it so damn difficult to change anything and why we can never seem to get anything done. And quite frankly, you know, we're saying about the perfect moment. If we're waiting for the perfect moment, by the time that could ever come around, we're going to be so screwed for such a variety of reasons. Like, they're really, like... There's no moment like right now to get this done. We need to just rip off the Band-Aid, get this over with. Let, let's have some difficult conversations. And I actually, I look forward to the nuance that that would bring. I look forward to, you know, reevaluating what Canada is, what it means to to be Canada, what it means, what our identity is, what this is supposed to represent i think that we're long overdue for that conversation because i mean the last time we had that kind of a conversation the world was a very different place i mean a much more hateful place i mean we're going in that direction now but that's besides the point but all of these things were decided in a society that was very unequal i mean we're still unequal but you know what i mean much more unequal in in a society that was, I mean, colonialism was not the past. Colonialism was a much more immediate happening thing. I mean, it's still happening. Everything is still happening, but in smaller forms. You know what I mean. Uh, we have to be able to revisit these things. Like, how we're going to let a bunch of old dead people decide who we are and what we do. I mean, that that seems ridiculous to me. We're alive, they're dead, let's get stuff done. You know? It's frustrating, you know, to see systems created that are impenetrable. We face them all the time in politics, right? Um, gatekeeping, 
all these barriers to change. The Constitution has got to be one of the biggest ones there. And to, to, you know, as you look at this issue and you start to make this this argument about constitutionality and and look at the history of how it was shaped, it's it's so clear that it was meant to be that impenetrable tool to and and to ask people to use their oppressor's system in order to gain their land back, for example, is ridiculous. Because we've seen what happens, right, when we consistently go through the systems that we're meant to go through to make change. We're rebuffed. We're tossed aside. It costs incredible amounts of money and time on purpose so that it's only accessible to very wealthy people to make changes. The Supreme Court operates this way. Yes, it is an avenue for change, but only like through massive mobilization of funds and efforts. So really not for us, not as a democratic tool. And so I don't know what the solution is there other than, you know, direct action and refusing to, sounds very anarchist, but refusing to be tied to this fucking document in the way that we are. And, you know, I'm a political science major and I think that sounds like such an ill-informed position. It's a very emotional position. I'll acknowledge that, right? Uh, yes, that's political suicide, blah, blah, blah. I'm so tired of career politicians. I don't care about that either. <laughs> I don't care if the that's your one term and that's all you do with it is something so outlandish as reopen the Constitution and rewrite it. And no, Chile wasn't completely successful on their first attempt to do that, but they tried and they reignited that idea that it's possible and they're working on it, right? Like it's it's progress. Yeah, I mean, these things are going to be difficult and uncomfortable, but I think we're way too comfortable in politics. I don't think politics is supposed to be this comfortable thing because, <laughs> I mean, life is not comfortable for so many people. So many people are out here struggling, trying to make it by every day. Life is not comfortable for them. This idea that politics has to be like this comfortable, stable thing, I mean, that is really protecting the people who are already well off and already doing well. But I mean, for the rest of us, life's uncomfortable. Let's make politics a little more uncomfortable. And I, I just want to mention, because you, you, you mentioned the Supreme Court, right? Have, have you ever seen a picture of them? Do you know their outfits that they wear? <laughs> yes, I do know what you're they talking look about. Like, <laughs> they look like a bunch of Santa Claus outfits. And, and I just want to point out that in my eyes, it's just a, as much of a mythical fantasy um, that is make-belief for children. Um, the Supreme Court is just as much make-belief as Santa Claus is what I'm trying to say. Um yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I totally get the point there. It is like, it to me, it's ridiculous. You know, I, I said fantastical at the beginning, but it. I think as as a humanity, we did acknowledge long ago, I, I believe maybe with the Magna Carta, that it's not divine rule. You know, there's nothing in your blood that came, has anything to do with, power in itself right so to bestow that i think it sets a whole ideology like folks who actually believe in that or who just refuse to to get rid of it are still holding on to that idea that that's what power looks like you know and in a country that elected a, pr a prime minister's son clearly i think we still hold on to that vision that you know 
power is hereditary and that's really problematic i know quebec would be totally on board <laughs> well maybe not totally i think the last uh poll i saw was 74 percent, but i'll take that but the conservatives man like we talk about bringing people around i it surprises me that their base you know who are you know swayed by this populist sentiment that elitism is um, detrimental, which it is, right? And we hear Pierre talking about that all the time, but they've not really hit on this point. Like, what is it about them that makes Jason Kenney on his own dime fly over to London, wait 14 hours or more in line to walk by a flag-draped box? Like, what is... Where is the disconnect there? Like, any... You got... <laughs> Any insight, Santiago? I know neither of us are conservatives, and it's not a calling I mean, show. But like, what's going on there, man? I mean, I do want to point out that, like, what happened to this whole pseudo libertarianism that they keep trying to push? You know, I mean, if they were really libertarian, I mean, monarchism is completely antithetical to what libertarianism is supposed to be. Right? Come on, now, you can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. Pick a side. And that's the thing is that they're trying to always play up this fantasy, you know, of libertarianism. But push comes to shove, they're they're not really in support of that, are they? I mean, what libertarian would ever, you know, support a monarchy? What an absurd concept. It, it just comes back to power and comfort and also just like all of these performative high class actions you know like it's it's such a like what what's the word uh, there's a word i can't think of it something to do with etiquette or you know like the, the, the way that people act when they're trying to act fancy. i don't know okay i digress my point being is that it's 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 make-believe it's dress up it's play acting it's ridiculous and and, and it's honestly like they don't let's be honest do you think any of them really give a shit any of the conservatives I, I don't think that they actually genuinely care about the monarchy i think that they're just playing it up because i mean quite frankly they think it makes them look good but that's everything that they do yeah i get them not being like totally invested in the topic either way but it you know it, it's just fun to kind of point it it, it it's like poking holes in the rest of their platform, right, where they claim to be for elites, but essentially still stand up for the same old things. And I don't know if I think if if folks are going to come around to it, there's just got to be something more than, you know, just this ambivalent attitude towards it. You mentioned the, the Truth and Reconciliation Day coming up on September 30th. And I mean... Wouldn't that be awesome to make an announcement that at least some of the symbolic opportunities that exist to distance ourselves from the crown and what it stood for, uh, that would be the day to do it. You know, if if you're listening, Justin, because <laughs> um, <laughs> I somehow doubt it. <laughs> what is that? You know, that you were working on a, lo a whole lot of truth, but very little reconciliation. Oh, yeah. So a lot of us will acknowledge that the crown is silly. And no, we don't think, you know, that they actually should be passing down power hereditary, but I'm not really willing to do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you would hope 
you would hope that it would be the perfect time, but I'm I'm not gonna hold my breath. I I have very strong doubts that we're gonna see anything happen this Friday, opposed to the usual uh, empty words, empty promises, empty gestures. I am, as you alluded to, working on an article about that. A whole lot of truth, not a lot of reconciliation. And I mean, that's the reality, right? I mean, just for if anybody listening to this right now hasn't had the opportunity to listen to last week's episode, please go and listen to that because it's very clear um, that we're nowhere near any sort of reconciliation. I mean, forget making up for our sins. We're still currently committing atrocities. We're still currently harming indigenous communities. We're still currently ignoring ignoring treaties. We're we're it, it's not in the past. It's active, it's present, it's in the moment, it's occurring right now. So if we can't even stop that, I mean, I don't have a lot of hope right now. But that's also a theme is me bouncing between having a lot of hope, not having a lot of hope. Depends on the mood, depends on the day. I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I think it must have been hard, and I didn't know it was because, you know, you see some of the responses on Twitter and, and social media for Indigenous activists to witness that mourning, that national mourning that we're supposed to be doing over something that represents something so harmful and continued, right? Like, if you don't listen to the episode... There's major implications for Indigenous peoples just not having adequate land to protect, to live on. That alone, like if you remove the climate emergency, which you cannot, and all of the other colonial issues combined, there's literally forced onto small pieces of land with very little resources. And then we sit on large swaths of crown land as though these are not part and parcel with one another, that one doesn't offer a solution to the other. It's incredible. And then you see the same people who will have orange profile pictures, who will wear every child matters shirt, tone policing people online that it it was a time to be respectful of the queen and there are some positive attributes you know and just really whitewashing and erasing that history in that day so close to September 30th as well I think that was that was disheartening for me I think like when I say I was confused why more people aren't swayed by it not just confused but how far have you come then with all those land acknowledgements and all of that history that we've we've shared and indigenous people have shared their experiences and what their communities have gone through and we still thought it would be appropriate to ask students to sit quietly for 96 seconds regardless I, of their lived experience I blame Netflix I blame The Crown Yeah that I, I blame the crown because that's what this is for people, right? It's keeping up with the Kardashians English edition, you know? It's it's a reality TV show for a lot of people. And that's that's the thing, right? Is when when you're sitting comfy, when you're the people who everything is designed to work for you, 
it's very easy to sit back and and enjoy the show and and live in that fantasy world of kings and queens and knights and all this shit but for the rest of us it's it doesn't make a lot of sense it's just a reminder of all the ways that we've been screwed over that we've been oppressed and forgotten and beaten down it's it's nothing it's not a show for us you know it's it's a lived reality and i mean my whole history on both my family side i'm i'm colombian lebanese has been imperialism colonialism well into both my parents lives you know that's that's a lived experience right there and that's a lived experience of millions of canadians of of all the immigrants who whose homes were invaded of all the people who are still victims of colonialism imperial and imperialism in one way or another i mean that's what's real you know not some bullshit netflix reality tv show pseudo whatever you know but even like you said even you know if you remove that kind of entertainment aspect of it it is all make-believe maybe that's what makes it still entertain entertaining for some folks uh i'll admit i did watch the crown um but it actually made and i i know they take considerable effort to I also watch the Kardashians from time to time. So like, don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did, it, it did not endear me to them. Obviously I'm hardened in my position as I am on many other things, but she demonstrates, well, the actress, I suppose, like this position that they feel as though the country would crumble in some way, should the crown not exist anymore. And I thought that was so absurd for them to, like that duty that that even our politicians are kept repeating, this public duty. What they think that public duty is, is actually like they need to be that shining star, that example, that the empire, it's a reminder of how strong the UK is and that they would essentially not be the powerhouse they are without the crown. And so they 100% believed in colonialism and imperialism and its power and its justness, which is not, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from their perspective there. And so watching that made me even more angry. Plus Charles is just a total ass. <laughs> um, yep. So you're just ready to like, no, I'm not putting this picture up. Like it's not happening, but it's that idea that really doesn't sit well with me. Right. Like where we're, where we see representation in some sort of higher way rather than like me and you like we elect really rich people we put really rich people on our money covered in gold and diamonds we even drape their coffin in stolen diamonds like that's not cool that is not good especially from an anti-capitalist point of view that we revere wealth in that way or we even allow that kind of um accumulation of land to happen uh it's you know, yeah, no, like it's it's not she wasn't just antiquated. They 100 percent like represented that continued idea of colonialism. And I really hope people do take 
you know, our episode will launch the day before we'll get as many people to listen to it as possible. But to take that time, that, that, that day of truth and reconciliation to really reconsider what the crown means to us as Canadians, what it represents to indigenous people and to, you know, rethink what's possible because I would really hate to miss this opportunity and instead to see this roll out of God save the King in lieu of a real acknowledgement of what, what that means to us. That'll be a huge lost opportunity if we don't. Um, and I'm not, I'm not really encouraged and I'll tell you why, because you know, there's, I don't know who it was, but it was releasing almost like daily polls and the more pomp and circumstance that surrounded the funeral and the coronation, the more people started liking Charles more, the more they started liking William and Kay. And like, it was just this like constant update of their popularity actually surging like the Kardashians. It's times like these where, and as a journalism student, I, I need to reiterate that this absurd notion of impartiality and objectivity that journalists and and i promise they believe it they really think they are and then something like this happens and suddenly we're all celebrating uh the queen and all of these things and all of this coverage i mean they know what they're doing they know what they're up to and and nobody challenges whether or not all of this coverage all of this celebration whether or not that is objective or who is it benefiting, they don't question that. So it just it reminds me of the same bullshit every time that they try and tell me, no, but, you know, not being very objective there. Bullshit. Neither are you. So sorry. Just I had to reiterate that. That's right. It's like that's another episode, too. Right. We've got we've got one on Canadian media and yeah, they're 100 percent completely biased that manufactured consent we're seeing around this the queen and this transfer of power the fact that we don't see the opposing images you know out of australia or that you had to be on twitter to really see that folks were out there celebrating this that it felt good to some people to see an end to that you know like the cheer that you heard that might sound really awful to some people and even saying it out loud sounds awful. Yes, she was someone's great grandmother, but like so is everybody else. And if she was going to live as a symbol like that, then she should die as a symbol like that and we should be able to, to react accordingly. And if you're a royalist, I mean, get with the program. Honestly, you're holding on to something so outdated and there are really complicated feelings around here. I want to acknowledge like even a certain member of our uh, new left media team doesn't really want to go on air and talk about it because families can be very divided on this. Even us as individuals, like if you grew up in a monarchist household, sometimes that shit is hard to let go of. It is conflicting. They, you know, it's purposely been integrated in a way to make you feel like she was your grandmother or she was someone that you should be emotionally attached to, but she was not, you know, that is manufactured, that, that is a bit of nationalism selling colonialism down, um, 
through generations, the plates, you know, I don't know if you grew up in, uh, probably not, you know, um, <laughs> I grew up in a Scottish household and for, even though they shouldn't have been a lot of my, half of that family, I would consider them royalists, right? But more from that obsessive point of view that you talked about Santiago, you know, like, what are they up to? And, you know, keeping up with the Kardashian kind of like you, I think you really did sum it up that fascination there, but it's still, it's like nationalism. It gets you really kind of emotional. I think those folks, right. It pulls up the heartstrings, like people crying when we win something at the Olympics, like why? Cause they're born on your <laughs> dirt, right. That the same square dirt that you hold a passport to, like that makes no <laughs> sense. Right. But it does emotionally. And often like emotional things don't make sense politically or they don't make sense logically. But like folks, like challenge yourself there because I know there's some leftists still holding on to the idea that this isn't an important issue or, you know, you have a sweet spot for for royalty because your parents did or whatnot. Like let go of it. It's time. It's time to feel a little bit uncomfortable with that grief that you're holding on to. Right. That that should make you feel uncomfortable. And and I also want to say, you know, because a lot of leftists will also dismiss dismiss the value of symbolic victories and i think that that that's also important because i think i do symbol- that i think i do yeah. that because i think that the symbolic changes those cultural things they're they're a step at unraveling these systems and 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 they lead to deeper things you know like for for so many people on the right, all of these absurd cultural and symbolic things. You know, a, a friend of mine at Humber, he just wrote a, a great opinion article about, you know, um, the obsession of stuff like McDonald's and these, like, American brands in, in communist countries and how, you know, ignoring that cultural impact was part of the downfall. And, and I kind of tend to agree with that, you know. I think sometimes we're very quick to dismiss the symbolic things and the cultural things but you know it's those simple little things that people rally behind you know that's so much easier to convince people of than some of the more complicated things and i i'm in favor for us to you know occasionally talk a little bit about symbolism and culture i I think that we have to approach this from all the angles you know so do you think perhaps a good starting point would be the symbolic moves that we can make, especially in this transition period? You know, maybe stop asking for people to swear allegiance when we're rethinking what goes on our money, you know? Um, put more animals on it, I say. I want more animals. Don't put faces. Fuck faces. Who cares? People are people and everyone's flawed. Let's put animals. They never did anything wrong. I could use another beaver, you know, a turtle. My problem is, like, how do you know heads or tails then on the coin? (laughs) I don't know. We'll figure it out. (laughs) I I think through Uh, all scenarios, that's how my mind works. (laughs) That was very quick, dude. Like, just heads or tails. What do we do with that? I mean, we're going to have to come up with a new saying. Maybe literally put the head of an animal on one and the tail on the other, and then it's even funnier, you know, like a a beaver tail. Damn right. More animals, (laughs) less faces. And I mean, more beaver like, tail, less queen. <laughs> yeah, damn right. I mean, beaver tails. Who can't get behind beaver tails as Canadians? That's uniting. That's a cultural thing that we can all get behind. We all love beaver tails. Another um, another cultural thing I think we can all get behind is like a refusal to put Charles's portrait anywhere. Like that's a right. hard no, folks, in the courtrooms and and all the other places that 
we're thinking of. Can you imagine the cost savings if we just no? I don't I don't know what the alternative is. There's no way that's in the Constitution. We can definitely get without those those portraits. Auction off queens and, and uh, let's raise some money for for some better causes. I mean, sixty seven million dollars a year for the governor general. Again, we can think of a lot of, of better things to do with that money. But I agree with you. You know, I don't think I value that that the symbolic changes that we can make. I, I kind of I want I want it all. Right. I want to I want to make like Let's really fundamental changes, but we, you do have to start somewhere. And if it is impossible, I refuse to, you know, throw your hands up in the air and say, well, then we're not going to do anything at all. Then we are just going to continue in the same system with the same kind of head of state and and um, and honor them in that same way. And it's just that's that's unacceptable to me. I at mean, the moment. I say we started off as like a symbolic thing. And then while we're in there, while we're in the Constitution, we can change a few other things, you know, push it a little past something symbolic and a little more material, you know. Yeah, sneak but in. Let's with get the that book open. Bam. Yeah, let, let's get it open. Let's let's put it on a Word doc. Let's throw some ideas on the whiteboard, you know. But let's let's get that process started on as a symbolic thing, if anything. And then you know, while we're in there, make a few tweaks. I'm down. I'm down. It's somewhere to start, right? And I think like having the conversation is important because there's lots of things we have to abolish, right? We'll do episodes after the um, the Senate. Like the police. Listen up, folks. You guys are next. <laughs> and yes, <laughs> obviously, the police. So um, a lot of s- systems to smash, a lot of disruption to do. But I think, you know, um, having the conversation, making some steps It'll make a difference, I think, for folks rather than celebrating the queen and the monarchy, uh, which is obviously having the opposite effect in, in what we're trying to most people, I think, are trying to accomplish here. So um, may the show be the <laughs> the igniter of the abolish the monarchy, uh, officially taking this into Canadian politics and, and running with it. Are you hopeful? Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. Let's abolish everything. Abolish Canada while we're at it. Start anew. I don't know. I just... I feel like that's a whole other podcast series. <laughs> let's let's do something. How about that? Let's actually do anything. One thing. That's all I ask. One victory. It's been so long. I just want one thing. You know? Just one. Not asking for a lot. Could be anything. Just let's do something. I feel like we don't do anything in politics anymore. We just lose. <laughs> we just argue something. about it and nothing gets accomplished. But I'm trying to think of like the easiest win here. You know, um, I mean, the allegiance thing. Why can't we remove that? I just that that has the highest ick factor. Yeah. I mean, come on. Come on. Well, I appreciate you jumping on here, Santiago. It was lovely hashing this out. I'm glad we didn't argue about it. It might have been more interesting <laughs> to view uh, to listeners if we did, but um, I think there's a lot to to kind of um, come together with on this on the left, even if some people are feeling conflicted. Maybe there's even a way to bring these conservatives around. I mean, they'd be embarrassed to tell their Trump friends to the South that they revered the queen, I think. But... Um, I think as a country, we're at a point of reckoning here. And the Queen's death was actually very well timed (laughs) to have this discussion. 
if you're gonna act like Republicans, at least be Republican in the Irish sense. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Let's be Republicans, you know? Republic. Come on. Come on now. I'm down. (laughs) Thank you, Santiago. I think, like, we'll wrap it up here. Like in all things that we do, there is a team behind Blueprints of Disruption. I want to give a big thank you to our producers, Santiago, Hello Quintero, and Jay Woodruff. Our show is also made possible by the support of our listeners. So if you appreciate our content and would like to become a patron, please visit us at disruption. So if you know of any work that should be amplified or want to provide feedback of our show, please reach out to us on Twitter at BPOfDisruption. Blueprints of Disruption is a project of New Left Media, an independent employee-owned company.